Thank you, praise team, for that uh, wonderful music, and we're grateful <clears throat> this day to be able to gather together and worship. A little overcast outside this morning, but it's nice to have the, the wet, and uh, so if you'll turn your, your Bibles to... Um, Pardon? Okay. Okay. What's that? <laughs> yeah, that's the fastest sermon ever. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, Father. In heaven, we thank you for uh, the grace that has been given to us in Christ Jesus and uh, the light uh, of the world that was given as our Savior came. <clears throat> Lord, we pray that we might be rooted and grounded in love and able to comprehend the breadth and length and the depth and the height of the love of Christ which passes all knowledge and be filled with all the fullness of you. And so we ask, Lord God, that as we look into your word uh, this morning, this very uh, important passage for our relationship with you and our walk with you, uh, we pray, Lord God, that you might open our understanding, break up the fallow ground of our hearts, uh, that we may comprehend uh, your truth and that you might order our steps in accordance with your word, <clears throat> in accordance to those things uh, which are of great benefit to the believer as they make their trek, their pilgrimage, uh, in accordance with your calling and plan and purpose for our lives. Uh, so we pray, Lord, that your word would be hidden in our heart, that we might not sin against you, but that we would walk in the light of truth. And we're thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ not only by his blood procured our pardon, but by his, the cross of Christ, he has procured our freedom, our liberty uh, over sin, that we might walk uh, in truth before you. And we pray that we may understand some of these things uh, from our studies this morning in Romans chapter 7. And we ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So thank you so much for being here. I, I know there's uh, increased concerns. Uh, COVID, we have uh, some COVID in, amongst our congregants, and uh, we want to pray for them. I know that, that many of you have been praying for uh, Paul and Emily, uh, but also Doug and uh, Kathy, have uh, uh, had COVID, and I think they're mostly through it, but uh, we want to certainly pray for them and uh, pray for an end to this thing that we might uh, see an end to it soon. And uh, But thank you for being here with us. It's wonderful that we can uh, uh, assemble together. And for those of you that are watching online, welcome and uh, trust that this morning will be a blessing to you 
and we pray for God's presence that he will speak to us through his word. So if we could, let's uh, go to Romans chapter 7. And I would like to read again from verse 14 because we kind of ended in the part of of, uh, this passage. It's kind of a longer paragraph. And I'd like to read those verses again this morning and uh, then pick up where we left off last week, which shouldn't be a problem um, one way or the other um, as we uh, look at, at these further verses from 19 to the end of the chapter. But I'll read out loud, you follow along. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh sold into bondage to sin. For that which I am doing I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not wish to do, I agree with the law, confessing that it is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which indwells me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the wishing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I wish to do, for the good that I wish I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not wish. But if I'm doing the very thing that I do not wish, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin dwells in me. I find in the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wishes to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh the law of sin. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. As we... uh, Look and consider these passages. Uh, we're looking at the conflict of indwelling sin and the struggle for sanctification in the Christian life. And what we see uh, in chapter uh, 7 here is that, that Paul makes this transition to speaking in the first person singular. He's speaking of his personal um, struggle. Uh, that and it's interesting to me that we want to look at as we look back at, at Romans chapter six that he has just ex- expounded on this doctrine of that uh, that we've been reconciled to God. First we've been justified, then we've been reconciled to God, and in our reconciliation he lays out the the truths that we've been crucified uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been baptized into His death. And so he's teaching these concepts in Scripture, this truth in Scripture, that forensically God sees you as having been, having died in Christ. So the full penalty of your sins have been paid in justification. And then in chapter 6, you remember it goes on and it says that we are to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. And he begins to deal with the 
the problem or the issue of the power of sin in our lives. So in justification, God has dealt with the, the issue of the penalty for our sins, which was death. And that was paid for in Jesus Christ. But then he teaches that we, uh, in that death, that we've been raised up to walk in newness of life. And so he's teaching us in chapter 7 the, the aspects of sanctification. You'll remember in chapter 6 that he, he, uh, he came to the terms uh, sanctification. And we find, found those terms uh, in the verses there in, in 19 and, and in 22 that uh, I'm speaking to you in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you present your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. So he's, he's dealing with the issue of sanctification here at the end of chapter 6, and he's taking this concept that we've been crucified with Christ, and he is teaching that when a person has been born again, that they have a new heart, a new inner person uh, in Christ Jesus. They've been born again. In these verses, he deals with the conflict that we now have with our bodies, our physical bodies or our flesh, or that fleshly nature and the new nature that we have in Christ Jesus. And what he's describing and what we see in these verses are, are this very thing. But the scripture tells us in Psalm 97.10 that you that love the Lord hate evil. And what's given to us in Christ Jesus is a new heart. The, the law of God is placed in our heart in a new covenant. And in that, that new uh, covenant, that new relationship, we wish and we desire uh, the things of God. We didn't previously have that because... We were spiritually dead, the scripture tells us. In that, in that spiritual death, it was just about in the flesh. But when we become born again, that new nature comes into conflict with our fleshly nature and will until the day that you die. It absolutely is going, there's always going to be a conflict there. But sanctification is that process of growing more Christ-like. It's growing in, in the likeness of who he is. It's loving him. And out of that, that love relationship and out of the spirit that, that he has given to us that works in our lives, we're convicted of sin and we're convicted of, of the nature of our flesh and, it, and it, it becomes more and more repulsive to us. And we, we, we have this, this struggle that, that Paul is describing here. So if you'll look at your notes there, uh, there's, uh, uh, first of all, we looked at last week, our fleshly nature does the things that the law condemns. There's two main points uh, in these verses, um, and in uh, verses 18 it picked up with, uh, our flesh cannot do the good things that the law commends. So there's our, the nature of, of that, that, our old sin nature what it does is it, it, uh, it 
it tends toward doing those things which are condemned by the law, but it also is repulsed by the good things that the law and the nature of God have for us. And that's the nature of mankind's rebellion against God. So, uh, so what we're dealing with this morning is that we can't do the good things. And Paul, uh, this, is, this is his personal experience in the conflict. And there's always this cloudiness that goes around the issue of sin. And what I've found in the Christian life is that <clears throat> young believers, uh, when they, they experience this conflict, uh, they're usually asking, what, what's happened? Uh, because we're going along with this new first love for the Lord Jesus and things are great. And they go along for a while and then we, we feel we, we come to this place where it's this challenge where the, sin, the old sin nature uh, crops up, it comes in. And we find this, this conflict between the new desires that God has given to us. And what we find, I just want to say it kind of up front here is that uh, with these two natures, um, in the two natures, the impossibility of victory for, for just the new nature is, is not, uh, it's, it's not uh, possible in the strength, in our own strength. And that's why in chapter 8 we're going to go in and look at the filling of the Holy Spirit, and, and the Holy Spirit will be introduced. But the flesh wars against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the, the flesh. And the new nature, we need the, the Spirit of God. Uh, and that's, that's the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's what happened at Pentecost, is He sent the Comforter to indwell us, and we were sealed with the Comforter until the day of our redemption. This is the wonderful truth, and it's our security. But in this battle, we need, in the same manner in which we came to justification by faith, to come to salvation, uh, to sanctification by God's grace through faith. <clears throat> and that by grace through faith uh, exercise is in the power of God. Because here's the key concept. God is our Savior. And even in our new nature, even with our new nature, we will not find the strength within ourselves to, to, uh, to, trans, to, to, to move into that transformation that God has predestined for us, being conformed into the image in Christ Jesus. So when you find that failure in your life, uh, these are the things that are taking place. So let's look uh, at the, the next thing here. Uh, sin dwelling in Paul's Adamic nature prohibits him from doing good. Look at verse 19 in your passage there. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. Okay, so, uh, and he, he's simply saying there that, that, um, that there's this conflict going on in my life. Um, and, you know, again, the scripture in Galatians, Paul teaches, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. You will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So he's, 
he's taken us through these things so that we're not upended, right? Uh, because later on in uh, in number of passages of scripture, he, he tells us to uh, to put on the Lord Jesus, you know, to put off the flesh. Uh, and why would, why would he teach in Colossians that we're to put off the flesh if we weren't having a struggle with the flesh? Um, and if it wasn't uh, capable for for those believers to uh, to put on those things, and then he goes on to say, put off anger and and uh, and bitterness and all of these uh, attitudinal sins as well. And these are the things that we come into conflict with in living the Christian life and the nature of Christ, our new nature that has been given to us in Christ Jesus, is repulsed by these things. <clears throat> so. Um, Second point here from verse 19 is that sin dwelling in Paul's Adamic nature practices evil. This, uh, this sin, he says, uh, the very evil that I do not want, that's what I practice. Uh, and, and these things, again, are, are things that, uh, that interrupt our, our life and our, our walk with God and sometimes our fellowship with God. So the believer is, is very frequently, the believer is confessing known sins and, and acknowledging attitudes that are, that are uh, not Christ-like and, uh, you know, confessing those to God and, and praying by faith that, that God will not only, as the scripture says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins, but also to cleanse us from unrighteousness, all unrighteousness. That's his plan. And the, the method uh, that God has is, is that utter dependence upon our Savior. It's utter dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ, upon the Spirit of the living God to work in and through us what we find we can't do for ourselves because these things keep, keep pounding on us when we desire to walk with the Lord and desire to do the things of God and the things that are pleasing to our Heavenly Father. And I know uh, our congregation here that you love the Lord and that you hunger and desire uh, to seek after Him. And it's good for us to know the provision that God has made by God's grace through faith that we can have power over sin, that we can know uh, release from those things but it must be in this, this uh, 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 submissive relationship, this relationship of dependence where Christ is the vine and we're the branches and the power of Christ, the spirit of Christ, the very life of Christ is being worked out in and through God's people. And this is the, the grace that God has given to us. It's wonderful you know, and if we, we go back to uh, chapter 5 uh, there, and this hope that we have um, of the grace that God has given to us, we've been justified by faith, and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained the introduction into our faith, or uh, into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt, we boast in hope of the glory of God, and that hope is, is not going to disappoint us but because the, the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart. We have this new desire, this new want. 
that God has given to us, a new will that has been given to us in the new man, and it's been poured out into our hearts by God's Holy Spirit. Uh, and so this good that we want to do is the process in sanctification that God is taking you through to, to learn uh, that uh, holiness and righteousness and the very nature of our Lord Jesus Christ in, in such a way that can only come to us in that connection with, with Lord Jesus as our vine and we as the branches through which his life flows through us. For from him and through him and to him are all things. Jesus Christ, it's because uh, he not only created us, but the scripture tells us in, in Hebrews that, that he holds all things together. And when we, when we go to the book of Revelation, we see the end of our praise to God. It's going to be that it, uh, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for all things have been created by him. And for his will, all things are and were created. It's, it's, it's all the glory to the Lord Jesus Christ because it's what he did in and through us uh, in this, this cyclical thing that goes to the glory of God. And so our admonition is to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify the Father in heaven because praise has been given to him in regard to those things. But our challenge then is that the, the good that we want to do, the, the love that we have for God, and, and the, 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 the nature uh, of, of walking in the, by, in the Spirit by the power of God's Spirit is, is challenged here. And we'll get more into what it means to, in the aspects of walking in the Spirit and the power of that, that Spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead in Romans chapter 8. But uh, then we find that his new nature desires to do good, then from this verse, and then his old nature <clears throat> practices evil. So this is the conflict of the believer. It's the, the thing that we struggle with. And Galatians 5.17 has this to say. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. <clears throat> That's our conflict, is it not? Isn't it that you, that you have this desire to, to serve God and to, and to uh, completely give to him uh, that that's rightfully him? And, and hasn't the spirit of of the Lord Jesus given you uh, that desire to follow after him in such a way that you know, when Jesus said, I do always the things that please the Father. And uh, my meat is to do the will of my Father. And oh, that I could keep that kind of focus upon the glory of God. That it's priority. It's first. It is, is, is what uh, my spirit the Spirit of God desires in and through me and, and the transformation that it makes in our lives. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. 
For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. So we find this issue of that our flesh cannot do the things that the law commends. And even though we try to hang on to the law, we find that uh, so that you, you may not do the things that you please still comes in, into factor there for us as believers. And, and this conflict is, is vicious. At times it, it becomes God takes us through, through trials and, and, and uh, temptation to, to the places where uh, there's great danger there uh, that we might uh, learn that, that utter dependence upon him uh, and, and learn to cry out for our Savior and learn that uh, that strength is not found within ourselves. I always go back to this illustration, but, but Peter was, was there, was, there was no lack of commitment on Peter's part when he denied the Lord at, at Calvary, was there? I mean, he was completely committed as far as Peter's concerned, but Peter couldn't find within himself the, the, the victory for that, that, that temptation, that challenge. Uh, and, but we see this wonderful transformation with, with Peter uh, after Pentecost and after the New Covenant. Uh, and we see uh, that dedication. Uh, and so where did that come from? Can we praise Peter for it? Should we praise Peter? No. Praise the Lord Jesus. The, the Lord Jesus saved him. The Lord Jesus empowered him. And the Lord Jesus glorified himself uh, through Peter. And Peter would attest to these very things. And we will one day uh, in heaven when we cast our, our crowns before the Lord and acknowledge that God uh, from you and through you and to you have come all things. And you are our Lord. You're the Lord of glory. And we give praise to the Lord of glory. So, and then we have the indwelling, uh, let's see, I'm sorry, let me turn my page here. We have the indwelling sin causes us to do things that we do not want to do. Look at verse 20. It, all, it almost sounds like, boy, this guy's really confused and, you know, it keeps going back and forth to this, uh, this turmoil that's taking place. And he says, but if I'm doing the very thing that I do not want, in verse 20 here, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Okay, so he's not doing it, um, but sin which dwells in me. Is Paul uh, abnegating responsibility for his personal sin here? I don't think so. Um, but uh, that, that sin, I mean, he owns it. Uh, and he owns it as Paul. And you should too. That's what confession of sin is. It's acknowledging, hey, I've, I've committed this sin against my God. And he's holy. And we know the, the cost, the penalty for one sin uh, with Adam, right? All of the fall, the rebellion, everything took place. It's serious. Sin is serious business. And so uh, we... We, we don't ever take sin lightly. And it separates us from the Lord God. And so we're to confess our sin. We're to acknowledge that it's sin. 
Now, I've found that those that, that hold on to the idea of, of perfection or that I can do it because I keep the law type thing, uh, that they end up uh, changing uh, the definition of sin. Uh, and there's some that even declare, well, you know, I, I live without sin or I live, in, I live a perfect life. Uh, you know, you can only do that if you redefine sin and you redefine the, the nature of, of what Paul is dealing with here and what we should be dealing with uh, as believers. Uh, and that kind of hardness to, to the reality uh, that that, that uh, sin that dwells in me is uh, engaged in doing these things is, is a, a very crippling. And so we find a lot of, um, of, of legalism and uh, those that, that depend upon uh, their ability through the law to, to, um, uh, to walk before God in, in a holy manner as they define it. Uh, so, uh, and, and a lot of Christianity is, is that, that way it's seen within the church. And we all struggle with that view, right? So we want to get to that place where we, we feel comfortable um, and that place of comfort uh, for us is, well, if, if I do these things and I don't do these things, then I, I, I'm in this area, then things will go well for me. Um, but then for the believer, uh, it just, uh, that conflict's taking place and um, it, it, it doesn't go all that well. Um, but if we can redefine it and then avoid uh, certain things that, that bring those consequences because all sin brings those consequences. So we think if we're within these parameters that we're good. Uh, but it goes much deeper than that according to the scripture, right? So then that brings us to uh, uh, verse 21. And here Paul discovers the law that evil is present in the Christian's flesh. Um and this principle, or this law, and, it, and this, the word used in the scripture is law. Verse 21 is, is kind of a, an important passage, an important verse. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. So Paul discovered this law that evil is still present in the Christian flesh, and he's not uh, pushing aside his responsibility for it, uh, but he's describing the conflict of it in light of his desire because he desires to do that which is good because God has transformed his life in the life of one who was spiritually dead beforehand. So, uh, and here we find in this principle that... Um, let me just give an, uh, an illustration. I always give this illustration. Many of you have heard it uh, many times. But life is like we're all on the, the rapid in the river. And we're, we're floating down the stream on an inner tube. Um, and, and then uh, we realize i got to get home. There's, there's a home upriver. So we get off the inner tube, and immediately we start going upstream, and the current, the rapid, uh, immediately comes into effect. Okay, 
So when is the point in time when this principle or this law comes into effect for the believer? Well, not as long as we're floating along with uh, being conformed to this world, not as long as we're floating along uh, fulfilling the fleshly desires and, and seeking after putting flesh on the throne and, and that type of thing. Everything goes smoothly. But once we turn and face that current and start moving upstream toward God and toward home and toward righteousness, then there, there's a law that comes into effect. There's a force that, that comes against you. And this is, this is the issue with sin. You know, as long as you... Uh, are fulfilling your flesh and and sin your sin nature is on the throne then there's there's no problem but the moment that you desire the one who wants to do good you find that principle in you that evil is there that this law is inside of me and so indwelling sin then is a law and a law has authority over a person. It has authority over a person. And a law offers rewards and punishment. Okay? So we think about, okay, Paul is saying there's this law here. There's this principle. Well, what is a law? Well, a law is, is the expression of authority. Now, it's important to, to go back and think back to, to Romans uh, chapter 6 and what Paul has, has taught because he's... He's working off of this. And in Romans chapter 6, there in verse 11, uh, he says, Do not reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive, uh, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And then he says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey its lust. So there's a law, there's authority there, and that authority is saying, get this or grab this or take this. Uh, it, it's giving that authority and it, it's, it's an authority in you. Uh, but what Paul is saying in chapter 6 is that authority has been taken away. That power has been taken away. So the authority that you're listening to is a, is a false authority. It no longer has any bite to it because of what Christ did on the cross of Calvary for you. There's no longer death. There's no longer this that, that, uh, that, that stands over you, that holds you in bondage. So the freedom comes in the knowledge that I've died in Jesus Christ and that my sins have been paid for. I've been justified by Christ. And this sin, this law principle, no longer has legitimate authority over me. And that's what uh, Romans chapter 6 and, and what Paul has taught and has brought us into. Now he's dealing with the conflict of it. That law is an authority over you and the law offers rewards and punishment. And how is it? You know, I mean, I can remember thinking that, that, uh, that I need these certain things out of life for my life to be fulfilled. And that I would never be a man unless, you know, I did these certain things and these things would make me a man. That, those were the rewards, you know. They're, they're temporal and they're fake rewards. That's the, the nature and the deception of sin. And it was contrary to God's word. And you pursue those things. And, 
and God, uh, there's there's rewards, but there's also uh, punishments. You know, the thinking that, well, if if I don't get this, then uh, then my life is not going to com- be complete, or or God's going to uh, he's tricking me into uh, into not getting all out of life that I should have or that I want, and it's that it's that selfishness and pridefulness that's in us. Uh, that that crops up. It shows uh, in the believer. It's still in the believer. This law is at work. It's still there. It's still uh, crying out to us. So, uh, and then uh, there's uh, second point is that that uh, indwelling sin is discovered in us. Notice the word there. He says, "I find then in that herisco is it's the idea. I discovered it." I, I detected it. I recognized it. You recognize it when you, you turn and you start going up the rapid. You start going up the river again. The pressure comes on. You discover, oh, wow, what is this? And this is the, the tragic part for a young believer if, if they're not, uh, if they don't understand this, this issue because, you know, usually it's not taught. It's, it's not understood. And so they're going along and, and things are great because they've just become born again and they have this, this uh, life and enthusiasm. And then their sin nature pounds them. Something happens. Some trial comes and they say, what happened to me? I must have got lost my salvation. Or, or, you know, or they think other things uh, because they're surprised by finding this, this sin principle, this law within them. And that authority, that authoritative voice that cries out within them, and and the temptation comes. The, the, often the evil one is involved, or uh, or his minions uh, in temptations. Um, so it's discovered in us, and we we find it. But what do we do with it? We should look at the scripture and what the the word tells us about such things. There's a third point that we'd make. Indwelling sin is present when we want to do good. Okay, That's the point that I made with the illustration there. Really, I should have given the illustration with this, but, but uh, you get it. Uh, it's present when we turn upstream. And then the fourth point uh, is an enemy is within the camp. This is what we need, must understand, and it's why we... Uh, you know, Paul tells uh, uh, young men, flee temptation. Um, uh, we're, we're to understand that, that we can't trust that enemy within the camp. Uh, we trust the Lord Jesus Christ. We look to his power and his grace. Uh, we draw near to him. We cling to the Lord Jesus. We depend upon the Lord Jesus. And that dependence can never go away. It's that relationship. He prayed for it. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Father, I pray that they may be one as you and I are one, that they may be one with us. How is the Lord Jesus one with the Father? Father, uh, to, to desire to do the will of the Father. I always do uh, what the Father says and what the Father does. There was just oneness and that Utter dependence and relationship, and it, you know, when we talk about submission to to God and His Lordship, we're talking about a, an intimate and personal relationship that's, it's just amazing, 
that we can have this type of relationship with God because of what Christ has done. That we can draw into that, uh, that love relationship uh, and from that a oneness of, of purpose and will. And that's where the, the will of the Father becomes you know, the greatest treasure. What is your will for me? And what, uh, what cost am I willing to pay when I know your will? What cost will I pay? Will you lay down your life? The apostles did. Are you ready? Are you ready in that sense? In the will of God for you? This is the will of the Father. And the will of the Father and His calling for you is the sweetest thing. It's the, the greatest expression of the satisfaction of life that you could ever have. The very thing that you were created for. Whatever His will is for you. And uh, are you willing to submit to that type of oneness that He's called you to? I'll challenge you. Challenge you in accordance with the Word uh, to, to determine that because He wants your will you want your heart. You want your affection. And it may mean that you give up certain things. Or it may mean that you turn away from certain things. And it may be all the way to the giving of your life and your testimony for the name of Jesus Christ. Is it worth it? Those decisions that we must make as God's people. But sanctification is that process. Death to self that the life of God and the life of Christ Jesus may be made manifest in us. I love that verse 21. It's been a, a wonderful verse. And, uh, and we find there in Jeremiah 17:9 that the, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God seeks the throne of our heart. And it's the control center of our life because what you love, what you have affection for, are the things that you're going to go after. It'll be the things that you pursue. It's going to be the determining factor as to whether your treasure is in heaven or their treasure is on earth. Whether your treasure is for the glory of God or your treasure is for the things that you think that you want and need and that your pride directs you to. Remove self from the throne. Place the Lord God there. Place his word there, because they're the words of life. They're the words of truth. They're the words that, that we should uh, live by and order our steps by. So coming to the next point, uh, uh, the uh, uh, it's... It, the indwelling sin seeks the throne of God in our heart. And there's a couple of points that I would make there, and that is that diverse expressions of evil proceed out of the heart. We find in Matthew 15:19, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. Uh, the heart... Uh, and out of that uh, proceed the things that, that come into the mouth and are spoken, uh, the things that we do. Uh, it's out of that control center, and God wants it in your life. Uh, there's uh, another point here. Madness is in the heart. 
Uh, scripture says in Ecclesiastes 9.3, Furthermore, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives. Uh, spoken by the wisest man ever. And I have a, another slide here, Lori, I want to share with the folks. Um, this is uh, just a quote that I found uh, helpful and, and thoughtful. We are apt to think that what we have done is very bad, but that we ourselves are not so bad. God is taking pains to show us that we ourselves are wrong, fundamentally wrong. The root trouble is the sinner. He must be dealt with. Our sins are dealt with by the blood, but we ourselves are dealt with by the cross. The blood procures our pardon for what we have done, but the cross procures our deliverance from what we are. So what do we find in Scripture? We find such words as, um, I have been crucified with Christ. Uh, Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Uh, it's that walk of faith, and that walk of faith is, is exactly as Jesus said, he that, that loves me and follows after me must take up his cross and follow after me. Um, and that's, that's our process. Look at verse 22. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. Now this is the, one of the points and one of the main verses that you can say, well, Paul is saying, I mean, only a Christian joyfully concurs with the law of God in the inner man. Only, only a believer. So that's why uh, one of the many reasons why this passage is clearly speaking about a believer and the struggle of the believer and not an unbeliever. He joyfully concurs with the law of God in the inner man. The believer has then two domains. He has the flesh and he has the spirit and they war against one another. There's God's domain and, and that when we speak about domain, we're speaking about law. And, and that law in the new covenant, what? It's, it's given into the inner man. So uh, there's God's domain or God's law, and it's in the inner man. All right? So we find that's a great illustration there, if you can see it all. There, you've got the old flesh, and then you've got the Holy Spirit, the new nature, the new you, uh, and that, that law is in our heart. It's, it's a, a, a new law. It's the law of, of liberty of life in Christ Jesus, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's complete in God's desire for us and what God wants of us. Um, so... Um, Anyway, that's, that's the conflict, and we find, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. Uh, and then, then we find in our passage uh, there uh, that, let's see, a law has authority and offers rewards and punishments. None of the thing that we uh, addressed earlier. Um, uh, Verse 22, um, okay, so it has authority over a person and it has rewards and punishments. Uh, and then there's only one born again, joyfully delights in God's law. 
Uh, we find that truth and that principle, that joyful delight. And I hope that you joyfully delight in God's law. Uh, some people uh, taught that, that Paul was against the law of God, and, and he was not uh, against the law, but there was joyful delight in the law and fulfillment and completion of uh, the law and his, his life and his testimony. And then there's God's law is in their seat of compassion and affection. So this is the um, verse there from Jeremiah 31, 33. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So um, the, I will put my law within them. That's that inner, law in the inner man. Uh, and the actual term in the Old Testament is, is the bowels of compassion. It's the idea of the bowels of compassion. In the seed of their compassion, I will, I will put my laws within them. And, and in their heart, I will write it, the, the, the throne room of the life. Uh, so there's a beautiful passage there in Jeremiah 31, 33. Verse 23 says this, But I see a different law uh, in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Uh, here we find the endemic domain is the law in our members. And according to Romans 6, that there's authority but no power uh, to enforce those things. So uh, that endemic domain has authority only because it yells in your face. Uh, only, but, but the power has been uh, taken by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the grace of the gospel. Um, so uh, a point under this verse is that the indwelling sin wages war with our minds. Okay, uh, the significance of our mind is is uh, needs to be understood uh, because um, because we're not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, where's the transformation taking place? In what we think, in, in what, uh, what we value, what we believe. And that's why belief is, is so significant to the gospel and why Christ calls us to believe and, uh, and why he rebukes often the disciples for their unbelief because what you believe is how you ultimately act. What you truly believe will determine how you act. So indwelling sin wages war with our minds and, and Colossians or 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God, the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Have you thought about that? Thoughts obedient to Christ. We're thinking God's Word. We're thinking it and His truth. We're thinking from a biblical perspective. We're thinking from God's perspective. Because the world is going to build these speculations and these these sandcastles and these false realities 
But the truth is always God's word. Uh, and to look at our world through the, the grid of Scripture is, is hugely significant in sanctification process and, and living our life before the Lord. There's a third principle there, and that is that indwelling sin imprisons us. <coughs> it imprisons us. And it will break our fellowship with the Lord God, and it will imprison you. It always does exactly what it says. It always brings death. Uh, the consequences of sin, it hasn't changed. Uh, it will bring death and destruction and, and bad things. It's why we should hate sin, uh, and it should be repulsive to us. And we'll, it, as you go along in your Christi our Christian lives, we will continue to, to grow in our hatred for sin. And... And grow in our, our understanding that we, we cleave to the Lord Jesus Christ. We cleave to his power and his grace. And that brings us to the conclusion of, of chapter 7. Uh, and, and Paul just declares and screams out, Our deliverer is the Lord Jesus Christ. So he goes, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free? On this death, and he, there's a switch here, right? Because he's been in first person, I, 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 who, okay? And uh, clearly, and in verse 25, of course, thanks be to God, it's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Um, so our deliverer is the Lord Jesus Christ, and death to self turns us to a Savior. Death to self turns us uh, to a Savior. Uh, from I to Christ, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of sin and death? Um, and so we find then that there's a futility which brings self to brokenness. A futility that brings self to brokenness. Uh, and this brokenness is the first great step. Um, and the scripture tells us this. It's taught in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But to this one I will look. To him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. Uh, we tremble at his word because of the holiness of God and our hatred for sin. And out of that brokenness God saves us because he's our savior. And wretched though we are. Uh, yet great is the glory and mercy and goodness and, and grace of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And our Savior is completely capable and able to save you from your sins. Not only to save you from the penalty of your sin and deliver you from the death that rightfully belongs to you, but to save you from the power of that sin over your life. So I want to speak to you personally. Uh, if there's sin, if you're struggling with some sin in your life and you can't let go of it, the power's in Jesus Christ. The power is turning your eyes upon the Lord Jesus and crying in a broken, humble cry and recognition that you can't deliver yourself from your personal sin. But Jesus Christ has the power and the will to do it. And he has said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask whatever you will and it shall be done unto you. His power is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. You don't have to wallow in the mire. You don't have to be uh, dead in your sins 
and separated from fellowship with the Lord God and with God's people because you've got some dirty, rotten sin that's, that's uh, brought you under slavery or bondage. But God will free you in Jesus Christ. That's sanctification. It's real, and it's that hope where we hope against hope, where you understand that I can't be released. I've tried, and there's no hope for this situation. You don't know what I'm into, uh, and you don't know uh, how bad it is, but, but God knows, and God is able. He's willing to deliver you. He is able to deliver you. He is able uh, for that one who is humble and contrite of spirit and trembles at your word and fears God, God will save you. And that's the only salvation that we have in sanctification as well. It's his power over sin. Futility brings you to brokenness, and brokenness brings you to the only Savior, our Lord Jesus. I pray that you... Uh, Go there, go quickly uh, with whatever uh, areas that that God uh, needs and is demanding in our lives. Brokenness is mortification of the flesh. The scripture says, mortify therefore your members. Indwelling sin always abides uh, while we're in this world. Therefore, it's always mortified from our uh, some of us have studied John Owen's sin and temptation. And, uh, now, we can't mortify sin, can we? Anybody, you know, killed yourself? And, uh, but, but that mortification is, uh, it means to put it to death. Put to death the, the members of sin, your body. Uh, and it's found by the, the grace and the power of Christ Jesus in our lives. Uh, to be released. Brokenness is mortification of the flesh. It's, it's God doing in you what you couldn't do for yourself. It's supernatural, just as supernatural as the power of God's justification, power to justify you uh, from your sinfulness and, and fallenness uh, and the death, that, uh, death penalty that it brought. So... Um, uh, scripture memory, uh, scripture verse here, Second Corinthians 4.11, For we who live are constantly being delivered over for de- to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal body. When you die to self, when you mortify the members of your flesh, there's life of Jesus Christ that is manifested in your body. That is eternal life. That is sanctification. That is the glory of God. That is the power of God being manifested in the people of God. And it's what God desires to do most through His people. It is the most significant thing that we can understand and embrace. Embrace it. Embrace the fact that dying to selfishness and pride is the way to eternal life. It's the way to no sanctification. It's the way to move on into Christian life. It's the way to experience more than what most people get to experience because they don't get this principle in Scripture. Please lay hold of it for the, for the benefit of that eternal life and the glory which we have awaiting us in Christ Jesus. Lay hold of this principle that we die to self. Not easy. 
Not something that we want to do. Not something that we're going to do. But by the power of God and by the power of the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ within us and the truth of the life that's in His words, may His power be known to us. Verse 25 says, Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. God delivered us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. A couple of points here. We serve God with our minds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing to captivity the thoughts, our mind, our thoughts, the truth of God's word, ordering our steps in according to God's word, hiding God's word in our hearts, uh, transforming, being not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds in accordance with the word of God and the truth of that reality is the transforming aspect of sanctification. So we serve God with our minds uh, and in uh Let's see, we should no longer be slaves to sin. As a result, the authority that sin has over us is uh, bogus. It is ineffective because of the indwelling spirit of Jesus Christ and his salvation. Romans 6, 6 says, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. And uh, so we find there these wonderful truths. And I think, uh, do we have, oh yeah, we've got two principles, two things uh, that we want to pull away here, two things that we know from these verses. How can we know God's deliverance? We cannot be sanctified to God no longer slaves to sin by the keeping of the law. Uh, there's not power within the, the law and our determination to keep it uh, to, to sanctify us. That's not where it's at. Uh, but it's the indwelling Spirit of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, where we find. Uh, so it's not the, the keeping of the law. It's not by the power of the law that we can live the Christian life. Secondly, We cannot be sanctified to God by our own works or by the strength of our new nature. Okay, Those are two major principles. Just think of those and carry those with you. And there's three applications. The war between the flesh and the spirit will continue until we die. Know that that, uh, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, but there's a day of redemption where this body of sin and death is done away with and we receive a new body, a resurrection body, without sin and without the conflict that we have. Okay. Secondly, be vigilant and watch and pray that we enter not into temptation. Be vigilant. Watch and pray. The scripture tells us in times of temptation that we're to watch and pray because the old sin nature is there. And uh, we will assuredly fail if we're depending upon our own strength. Thirdly, cling to your Savior and let him search your hearts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, teach us what it means.
to seek your glory with all of our heart. May we do what is pleasing to you and not be servants of the self-serving members of our body, but increase our love for you until it is the greatest motivating factor in our lives. Let there be no room in our hearts for anything but you. Teach us to labor striving according to your power which mightily works within us. May we walk in the spirit that we may not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Make us mindful, O Lord, that we have been crucified with Christ, that our old self was crucified with Christ in order to manifest your truth in each one of our lives that we may shine forth as lights in the world and that men may see our good works and glorify Christ's name. Oh, to him whose blood procured our pardon and whose cross procured our liberty, honor his name above all names. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name get under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved It is in the mighty name of Jesus, our Savior, that we pray. Amen.